It's the Smart Driving Cars podcast. Thanks for listening or watching. Hope you're staying healthy. This edition is sponsored by the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. For more information, head to MOTOETF.com. I'm Fred Fishkin, along with the Faculty Chair of Autonomous Vehicle Engineering at Princeton University, Alan Kornhauser. Hi again, Alan. Hey, good afternoon, Fred. Good afternoon. We have another terrific guest joining us this week, one of the pioneers of the digital age, founder of Clarinet, chairman emeritus of the Electronic Frontier Foundation, a futurist, author, self-driving car consultant, Brad Templeton. Brad, I know I left a lot of stuff out, but thanks for being back on with us. Well, the longer your resume just means you're older. <laughs> uh, Brad, it's great to have you on and looking forward to this. Yeah, no, we're, we should have a good time. Brad, you have penned a very interesting piece in Forbes.com this week titled, Can Robo-Taxis Survive a Pandemic? First off, as you point out, just about all of the testing of self-driving vehicles has been shut down for now. It has. Uh, actually, I wrote this essay because a lot of people were saying, oh, the you know, pandemic changes everything, of course, is the mantra. So, you know, what's it doing for this? And, and the actual impact is not going to be that much worse than for any other business. Obviously, every business is suffering right now. Uh, the rule in most states is that non-essential travel and non-essential business is not legal. So uh, testing uh, new prototype vehicles is, uh, is not going to be legal. Um, it's possible that you could design it so that uh, solo safety drivers could be out there testing the vehicles today. But it would actually be a bit of a waste of time because the whole purpose of on-road testing is to get into unusual and tricky situations and, you know, face some hard traffic. And, you know, there just isn't any hard traffic out there. <laughs> right. I mean, if you can't do this, uh, you're not you shouldn't be here. Right. <laughs> I mean, it, 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 it's, there's a little irony to this, actually, which is to say that uh, if the people building these cars had thought a year ago, you know what, why don't we test them? to see if they're safe enough on an empty road. Uh, and then if for some reason the roads go completely empty because of some disaster, we'll be ready. Hey, uh, there we go. No, no, nobody made that plan. So nobody did a safety certification for this environment. It's quite possible the vehicles, some of the vehicles at least, Waymo certainly, maybe some of the others, um, would be safe enough to drive on these empty roads. Although, funny thing is, I'm, you know, like everybody, I'm going for walks. It's the only thing you're allowed to do to leave the house. And uh, there's more people on the sidewalk in my neighborhood than there ever were. I'm meeting far more of my neighbors, talking to them. It's, it's actually that's a, a positive, refreshing thing. So testing right now isn't going to do a lot for you. Uh, the second problem, of course, is most teams uh, are at the level where they really should have two safety drivers in the vehicle, which would obviously present a, uh, a work or, or a virus uh, hazard. Um, some teams, like Waymo, are at the level where they can run with one, or, of course, they occasionally run with zero. Uh, they also have, though, uh, and everyone I think has, an operations center to deal with unusual circumstances that occur during testing. And you think the operations center could be something you could do work from home, but it doesn't actually turn out that way. And number one, you need to have really, really high quality, reliable bandwidth, which they paid a lot of money. Now, Google and Waymo have more money and bandwidth than God, so that gives them <laughs> the bandwidth to do this. Um, but, you know, you can buy that kind of bandwidth, but people don't buy it for their homes. And typically, these uh, remote control stations are pretty fancy setups. They'll have, you know, four or six monitors to show you views in all directions. They'll have special gear. So not trivial to move to someone's house. So pretty, pretty difficult to test, even if it were worth testing right now. Bad news for those who got laid off. Easier to, yeah, do a late, uh, easier to do a late night TV show than to set that up itself. Yeah, probably. Yeah. But, but, uh, but Brad, I, I, I think they are doing testing. Okay. And I think that in some sense, this may be a, a really great opportunity because it, it allows them to go from one version to another. And the testing they, they should or could and hopefully are doing is on all the simulators that they built. Oh, of course. And, yeah. and, they're, they're and, 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 and in fact, you know, the, the fact that they, they can't be out there on the road is an opportunity to go from, from version X to version X plus one, which, which is always, a, you know, which is not a non-trivial thing to do with, with versioning. You can go from 0.08 to 0.09, but, but from, you know, the digits to the digits 
it's, it, it's always tough. And hopefully they're doing that. And in fact, uh, doing the testing on their, on their simulators and coming out of this, I would hope that the, that the systems that they have out there, which the, the key is really not the sensors, not the actuators, but the things that figure out what the hell to do, which is, which is the software end of this thing, are, are a heck of a lot better coming out of this thing that they were coming in. What are your thoughts on that one? Yeah, there we go. And here we are. I've, uh, I've just uh, switched, <laughs> I've switched into my uh, self-driving vehicle. I uh, just need to get somewhere. Uh, you know, in the future, actually, we will be doing video calls from cars. It's one of the little things we imagine will happen. The bandwidth will be good and the car will be there. Um, so I don't think it's all that different because uh, th- that's a normal process already. Uh, you, right. you build a new right. software base. You do the regression tests on it, on all the things you've got. You go into the sim with it. You feel it's yep. comfortable. You deploy it in the road. But the reason you're on the road is, yes, to just verify that it's still working well. But mostly, all these teams are going out there trying to find new assurances that their vehicle right. performs well, right. new strange circumstances. There are people who argue, actually, that while it was absolutely necessary in the beginning because nobody really had anything else they could do, that the amount of on-road testing going on today is, uh, is not necessary. Uh, now, I'm not sure I agree with that, but there are people who are making some case for that. So I I don't I don't think they'd be now one group of people who could be operating right now is delivery robot companies. So I am involved with one called Starship. But uh, we, uh, for better or worse, uh, decided to build a lot of our early business on university campuses and corporate campuses. And what do you know? They're all closed. I mean, I I think they have yellow tape around the Princeton campus. I I mean, my goodness, uh, it's it's probably the 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 place where no virus exists is the Princeton University campus. Yeah. What what an irony, because actually there's a huge demand for delivery right now. Demand for Uber, Lyft, all these things. That's gone to the floor. You know, transit, Uber, Lyft, nobody's taxis. Nobody's. Right. I read, I, I saw a session the other day and the head of the Los Angeles DOT said that ta- I think taxis are picking up 100 passengers at LAX every day. All the taxis. 100. Are picking up 100 passengers. I'm, I'm surprised there are 100 people using LAX, but yeah, go ahead. <laughs> Believe it or not, they are, yeah. but nobody yeah. wants to get into a cab. Nobody wants to get into an Uber. Nobody wants to get into a Lyft. They certainly don't want to get into an Uber pool. Um, yep. And this has caused some people to ask, and this is what Hey, I'm somebody's saying. hands on the wheel. I mean, what's going on? I mean, what do you have? Hands in yeah, the back yeah. of your arm? What, what's going on on your video? I know. That's Ooh, a, this is, I, I stole that's this video. A disengagement. I, that is a disengagement. I certainly <laughs> hope that they reported it to the uh, California DMV and uh, the reason. No, because this is, a, this is an ADAS system. I stole this video from George Hotz. I, <laughs> okay. I, didn't ask, I didn't ask George, so we'll see how he does. But uh, he, of course, he, of course, does not build. In fact, he's even switched his tune and said, you know, oh, self-driving is a long time away, but what I do with neural networks and uh, ADAS driver assist uh, is doable. And it is doable. Obviously, Tesla it does is. it. And it's George, saving lives. George is doing it. Yeah. I don't and know if Georges is saving lives, but uh, well, it probably is. I mean, you know, I guess I'm I'm a believer in what Elon says. Elon certainly has the data if he would only release it uh, to actually probably prove it. Well, we could go into that one. It does, but yeah, but we could go into that one. But I think the fact they don't. I think the fact they don't release it is a sign, actually, that there's something missing in that data. Uh, I don't know why they wouldn't release really good data if they uh, if they could. And, uh, I mean, you know, as we all know, and I guess this is one of my pet peeves with with what's going on now. You know, if the, if the garbage in on something is garbage out, uh, good data is is the only thing you you can have. You you. <laughs> Any thought that these things are actually going to clean bad data is like, really? I mean, uh, unsupervised learning. I know that I know we at Princeton are not doing unsupervised teaching. I'm not sure there's unsupervised learning. Never mind. We won't yeah, go that's, there. <laughs> that's a, a different but getting back to the, the self-driving taxis, robo taxis, as we like to call them, um, Autonomous people, taxis, whatever, whatever yeah. name we're going to use. Well, we all know, yeah. we all know that autonomous is, is way too a mouthful of a word for the public to finally <laughs> Ooh, go geez. on. To. Yeah, and yeah. So, is, so is automated for that matter. Um, when I was at Waymo, um, I was I was trying to actually push for them because everyone was sort of paying attention to them. I said, you guys <laughs> should definitely you know coin the term because everyone will just follow you if you come up with the generic term. You got a brand, Waymo. Yeah. Um, uh, you uh, you come up with a generic term and, and people will probably use it. But in the end, we end have people arguing. Uh, we got 
Some people have completely different meanings for driverless. We got uh, different completely meanings for self-driving. You name. It. Absolutely. Now, get, getting yeah. off of that, the robotic. Taxi. How about level three? Do we have complete? Oh, let's number them. Yeah. No, we're not at MIT. We don't use numbers. We we're semantic. We put names on. Never mind. Go ahead. Not, not a believer <laughs> in the levels. But one uh, one nice function that I thought was oh I was, I was thinking about delivery, which is there's huge demand for delivery. Uh, it turns out that robotic delivery isn't. So important because you could drive a van with a human being in it and just a human being doesn't get in or out and it's just like a robot yeah. <laughs> because there's nobody in a robot to uh, do things either to come out and take your package to the door. So um, we could do that and people need jobs right now. So there should be uh, lots of human delivery going on in this sort of crisis. But uh, uh, none of the companies obviously are at a place where they could scale up to the huge demand, which has suddenly appeared. And, and so we're not going to really see anything happen with robotic transportation during this period. But one thing I was thinking about was that with taxis, taxis, as we know, burn out very quickly because they're in use all the time, not like your own car. The New York cab is actually has to be taken out of service after five years. And they go about 250,000 miles. And some people are hoping that the robotic electric taxi might have a life of 500,000 miles. Yeah. Or Elon Musk even says a million yeah. miles. Yeah. Yeah. Well, pretty clearly, one thing that won't last a million miles is the upholstery. Uh, so you don't want to get into a, a taxi that's got people been sitting in it for 100 or a million miles. So that means they will have to build these with easily swappable interior. But that's good for a pandemic because in this pandemic, if it happens in the future, you would swap out the interior for one that's like a transit one with the shiny. uh, Well, maybe not. You don't want when some surface viruses don't live on plastic, see through, see through plastic seat covers. Yeah. Well, you could you could have that. You could have um, there, there's 1950s a, there's, house of a living room. You know, go ahead. Yeah. You could have go linoleum. Yeah. Turns, yeah. turns out the virus lives longer on that. But there are oh, some I there just... are some uh, nanotechnology uh, or nanoparticles of of, uh, of titanium dioxide. Apparently, viruses don't live very well on that. Uh, they also don't live too long on copper. But this one is still is better than most. But whatever it is, you'd be something you could wipe down. Yeah. You could go go to the depot between every ride and get hosed down with soapy water. I mean, whatever you do, you do that. Because, frankly, if people aren't getting in your vehicle, you do whatever it takes to get back into business. Yeah. And so people will do that. It might have to increase the price. Uh, most people, though, today, if they have to travel, are going to travel in their own cars because they, you know, they feel they can trust uh, the, their own family, hopefully, to have not put too many viruses in there. Uh, so it's going to be a downturn for anything. If this ever happens again, I hope it never happens. You know, you mentioned uh, Uber a couple of times before, Brad, and uh, they had a statement out this week uh, withdrawing their guidance for the whole year here. I guess that doesn't come as a surprise given yeah. what's going on. Who, who's getting in a vehicle? No, no. Well, nobody wants to get in a vehicle where they don't know who the guy who sat down there before was, or they don't know if the driver. Now, that, that's the one thing. The robotic taxi, you wouldn't have to worry if the driver is going to infect you. But you still have to worry about the guy before he was coughing his lungs out onto the thing, and you don't want to get in. So the question, I guess, is the long-term impact. The vision that Alan and and so many others have is for this technology to be mobility for all, ride-sharing being such a major component of that. What's the long-term impact here of the coronavirus? The one bad long-term impact is that there's a general economic downturn, which means a general difficulty in getting financing. And one of the companies I'm worrying about is Zooks. Uh, Zooks recently announced that it had to lay off uh, 100 people. Everyone knows that Zooks has been out looking for money. Zooks raised a lot of money, around a billion dollars, you know, an incredibly impressive amount of money for a startup. Zooks has a super ambitious vision, some would say too ambitious, to both build a self-driving system and to build an entirely entirely new vehicle. Uh, And that ambitious vision, if they were going to realize it, was definitely going to require money and time. And it could be that the virus crisis is going to deprive them of those things. And that would be a shame, actually. I, mean, I don't know if Zooks is going to succeed. I'm not sure their plan is the right plan. But I certainly would have liked to see it get a full try and not be chopped down by this. Uh, be tra- it should be chopped down by its competitors if it's going to be chopped down. Plus, they've agreed to pay, um, pay Tesla for uh, having hiring four people out of Tesla who basically brought the, you know some of the Tesla family jewels over to Zooks, and so they've agreed to. They they said, uh, "Oh yes, uh, those folks did bring some things." Out of- <laughs> what I what I read was it wasn't really family. It wasn't really family jewels, but yeah, these yeah, kind well, of yeah, I'm, I'm, these, I'm, these invites. Yeah. Yeah. These infights go on, right? I they mean, go they- on, and and I think, well, I I sort of think it's good that 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 
that's being put out there just so people try to behave a little bit more okay with and doing these things and so on uh, i mean i know out there you guys in california have sort of been going along just freely wheely here in, in new jersey we're very straight and narrow and to the penny and to the letter of the law all of the course. time of course. <laughs> no. Uh, I saw a documentary series on New Jersey on HBO where they oh. uh, <laughs> yeah. Ooh. they yeah. explain that uh, you know no but obviously uh, it's a bit uh, it's a bit unusual I mean and um, uh, what's happened to Anthony Lewandowski uh, Anthony is certainly uh, a yep. wild and crazy guy yeah well, uh, as we and, know <laughs> uh, I've known him and worked with yep. him for many years but uh, uh, you know I'm certainly not a fan of some of the things he's done. Um, although I think it's good to have both the wild out there people and the conservative people together. Um, but nonetheless, uh, you know, his battle has been a, you know, a circus sideshow to watch with yeah. immense amounts of money and criminal charges. And he's, yeah. he's yeah, guilty. He's no, going to go to jail. Um, so, uh, I, you know, companies actually don't like to get into that, but obviously Anthony made some enemies at uh, Google and, uh, he's paying a price for that. Yeah. I don't know. I don't know about the, you know, the whole, uh, Zooks Tesla thing and, uh, but what I'm more worried about is we've also seen some layoffs at a couple of other companies happen this week. Uh, every, well, every company in the world has had layoffs pretty much. Sure. But it comes at a critical time for many of these companies. Uh, I just had a long chat with the guys who built Starsky Robo- uh, Robotics, a robotic trucking company. They right. died before this crisis, but right. they died in part because the money is not flowing as freely as it did a couple of years ago. Uh, and it's going to flow even less freely this year. We'll continue in just a moment, but this is a good time to remind you about our sponsor, the Smart ETF's Smart Transportation and Technology ETF, symbol MOTO. You can get more information at MOTOETF.com. If you aren't familiar with ETFs, it's a good time to do some research. They can help to spread risk while investing in a category of stocks. To learn more, check out the white paper titled The Smart Transportation Revolution at MOTOETF.com. It's under the Insights and News tab. Great information there that can help you make informed decisions. The CEO. I hope they don't have any Uber and Lyft in that ETF. Because- <laughs> uh, well, although to, to comment on, on your comment uh, and then the, the, the uh, guidance that Uber's given, you know, Uber losses may be reduced. Okay, yeah. because because you know the, you know they may end up the revenue is not going to be anywhere, but the losses uh, I don't know. Look, I mean, the part of the fundamental problem with with Uber and Lyft is unless they get the driverless, they can't scale. Has always been my argument on that. And and great, they're doing mobility for one percent of the trips. Wonderful, that's great. But but to think that you're going to do it for 10% of the trips or 20% of the trips or 30% of the trip, which is really how you support the valuations, uh, you've got to be able to scale. And uh, that was that was that's been their plan for a long time. Obviously, investors didn't agree. They got an extremely high valuation, I think even higher than their current valuation from private investors before they had a cognizant self-driving plan. So um, it, I agree with you that, and they agree, uh, you know, that, that self-driving is a very important part of their strategy, but the investing public didn't actually think that at the beginning. So it's just like with Tesla. I think Tesla's very high market valuation, greater than all the existing car companies in the United States, uh, is almost entirely because people are betting on they're making a great electric car that's really popular and that gets a dominant position in the automobile industry. And whether it drives itself or not is actually a bonus. People are not putting yeah. in the you know, Tesla network promise that Elon has made uh, into the value of Tesla, even at the crazy price it has. Yeah, I, I, I agree with that. I don't think I don't think that that and they, they may not even need to. I, I mean, to do that, because because, in fact, they're counting on people buying this a little bit differently than they they've been buying cars up to this point in time because they don't go to a dealer and so on but it, this is a consumer product rather than a a business professional fleet yeah. product that is out there providing mobility uh, and so the uh, the uh, opportunity for people really liking it buying it and and certainly 
if you if you you can read a lot into the numbers that they did in the in the first quarter in China. I mean, if if they're a craze in China the way the iPhone was a craze in China, they're going to sell a lot of cars there if yeah. that economy comes back and all the other things on top. But, but Uber, Uber and Lyft uh, and the airlines and the cruise lines were all, and the hotels, they were all punished the most really of all the stocks. I actually bought some Lyft back during the first dip. Uh, I'll buy some more during the second dip, which I'm pretty comfortable to say is coming. But obviously, if you know for sure on that, you'll be a richer man than any of us. Hey, yeah. Now, I'm not going to tell you what, what I'm going to do <laughs> because I buy ho, I buy low, sell high. And, and the best investment strategy is to do the inverse Kornhauser. So, you I, know. I think you meant you buy high and sell low, but yeah. Oh, yeah. did I did I say I buy high, sell low? Well, yeah. The, the way it, you're I supposed mean, to do the joke, joke is you say it's buy low and sell high. Nobody told me that. Yeah, uh, no, I mean, it's the same it's the same thing, but damn it. Uh uh yeah. Hey, Alan, I am so been, bad in these situations. I don't even want to talk about it. What You've been Yeah talking about tesla here and elon musk yep. is saying that he's going to update smart summon your favorite feature in the tesla huh. so th so that they can drop stupid summon park themselves and electric reports a lot of tesla owners aren't really finding smart summon now that useful and you, you had a comment yeah. on that well i mean you know I, how much of the time do you spend parking the car you spend most of your time uh, driving it or riding around in it. And so just because it does a little something for you on that end, I think is, is all window dressing. And to have these things running around in a Costco parking lot, you know, going and, and uh, dumping themselves someplace and then coming back and, and, and getting you and your groceries. If that's the, if that's the reality we go back to, I, you know, I, Come on. Yeah. So I, I, I have a Tesla Model 3, and yes, I've tried to use the Smart Summon a few times and never with any success. There are people who've occasionally reported success, but it's a, it's a very intermittent product. And even if it did work, at present, as a driver assist product, you have to be there and watching the vehicle while it does it, which that helps so. provide. <laughs> I mean, it would be valuable if you could just say, uh, while I'm in a store, okay, car, come to the front of the store. And by the time I get to the front of the store, it's waiting there for me yeah, in the rain. That would be nice. Uh, I should point out, actually, that disabled people do have a very different tack on this. For them, sure. having the car come through the parking lot can be a big difference. There's not always disabled parking spaces up front for them. Um, so I won't say smart summon is for nobody. But its biggest problem is, is it's still very timid product, as it has to be in its early days. And because it's so timid, I've, I've really never used it where I didn't have to run up to it and get into it because it was blocking traffic. Um, yeah. So unless I were using it in a very empty parking lot, it would be bad news. But, I mean, eventually it will do something useful, but it was it was released early and many people have debated as to why they released it before it was really ready. Uh, I, you know, a valet parking is a handy thing. It will be a handy thing in the future. It's a nice to have. It's not going to be a life changing thing. How about today? It, 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 ha it has where you have stores that could come out and, and put your groceries in there and you can be standing, you know, 300 feet back, not going close to the store. Uh, I don't know. To I, me, I, all those things are goofy. Uh, They're all goofy. They're all goofy. And it's got to work perfectly. Right. Because if it doesn't work perfectly and it causes a problem, guess what? Everybody gets a black eye out of the darn thing. And, and hopefully and, not uh, worse than a black eye. Uh, well, a lot, uh, yeah, yeah, right. A lot worse than the black eye. In other words, it it takes the air out of everything. And and if we're really going to do this, uh, then let's do it for the right reasons. And of course, I think the right reasons is is to provide mobility to the people who who don't have already 14 different ways to go from a to b and 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 let's focus on making that happen affordably and improve their quality of life but anyway i think i'm the only i'm one of a very very few uh, group in that group everybody wants to say uh, okay all right you don't have your your uber elevate today use your driver i mean never mind i i think that uh, they probably just were sitting around saying we should we got to put out something there where the car moves with nobody yep. in it. Uh, what can we do? Well, we can probably pull off a parking lot half the time. Yeah. And so they, they did it. And, uh, you know, uh, as I said, they, they rolled over their own foot. Uh, yeah. And, uh, but that doesn't mean it won't 
Yeah, it, it, in some future when we've got nothing better to do, it's a great thing to do. I, I think what has helped uh, Tesla, though, is is the autopilot itself. It's it's it makes the car a heck of a lot easier to drive. Yeah, I, I, it's by the more way, I'll, comfortable I'll, and. Uh, you tell you. me you own one. Tell, tell yeah. us about it. Yeah, no, no. I mean, Autopilot's actually very nice. It's, it's better than I expected. It is. It does uh, make you more relaxed. It's. I mean, you definitely have to get the right mindset of paying attention. Absolutely. Um, Otherwise, the, you die. The, the way you treat it is you say it just makes the car, it just makes driving like you're on a perfectly straight road with cruise control. Right? Right. So now right. you don't have to worry about the curves. You still watch the other cars. You still what's going on. I want to say something about the, the valet parking in the smart summon because there is a value which they're not ex- ready to exploit yet, which is quite high. And that is that cars that can valet themselves can store themselves in parking lots way more densely yeah. than yeah. regular cars can do. So you could have eventually a parking lot saying, look, we have a, we're half price for Teslas because you put your Tesla in here, you tell it, to go up, it finds a little spot, it parks densely with the other cars, they get out of the way if someone else wants to get out. Um, you can use half the parking space, you can use less than that. And uh, if you started doing that, then people would say, wow, I'm paying half of my parking, that's a real value to me. Uh, but they're not at the point where they can offer that yet. And it's obviously something you have to offer sort of parking lot at a time, you might even have to have a map of the parking lot, which Elon hates. Uh, yeah. And uh, uh, but down the road, uh, we're going to make parking really cheap. I mean, parking, uh, if you take what I believe is the future of urban transportation, which is what I call mini mobility, halfway between micro mobility and cars, cars that are for one person that are only, uh, you know, about four feet wide. Well, you can fit five of those in the traditional space taken by a regular car parked by a human being if you park them robotically. So we're talking about parking costing one-fifth the price. And in fact, I believe we're talking about parking costing maybe one-twentieth of the price when you factor in some other uh, things. So don't dismiss what automatic parking can do. It's just Tesla Smart Summon is only a very early part of that. Yeah. Also, I think uh, part of uh, BMW's original motivation for this kind of thing, which I think uh, was one of the sources of this, was that in Europe – garages home garages tend to be smaller than in the u.s and in fact in certainly uh buildings that were built uh, a while ago you know you could barely fit a car and and i think that the idea with with that was to take the car in and out of a very tight garage where you can't open the doors and things like that so there yes for those situations fine for costco or whatever uh for non-handicappers i don't know whatever here's the problem is i've been tempted to use not the smart summon but just the regular summon feature they have uh when i've gone to a parking lot and there was nothing but a really narrow space i wouldn't be able to get out of and i said oh i could get my car to go in there and go out of that but the guy next to me could never got into his car now. <laughs> well, that, so what that, he's going to do is he's going to take a tire iron to my car. Absolutely. Uh, for having yeah, no, no, blocked I, him I, in. I, I agree with that one. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, there was a, the commercial on Super Bowl by Hyundai in which, you know, they, they had people in Boston go use the Hyundai's, you know, stupid summon to go jam Smart their car. Is what they call it. Smart pot. They call it smart pot. Yeah. And I commented, yeah, you do that in Boston. Guess what? You know, <laughs> you're going to have broken windshield. It's going to be keyed. You're going to have it. <laughs> but your Tesla will have taken video of that for you that you can relax and enjoy oh, later. No, this is Hyundai. So I guess Hyundai. Yeah, whatever. You know. Uh, yeah, right. You, had, they have a few videos. The Tesla, the, the Tesla video feature has caught people doing bad things to Tesla. Yeah, and yeah, yeah. Yeah. video up on youtube and tries to yeah. find the guy uh yeah. uh you know it's it's, it's great entertainment yeah. if nothing yeah. else well, it's probably although most of it is probably staged so i don't know i mean to me all those things oh i was driving down the road and somebody was sleeping in their tesla uh, and then i just looked at him for a while and then i drove away i mean who who would be that callous to 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 <laughs> i mean i'd be honking the horn wake up but you know they're all they're staged I, one thing one thing tesla could do today is they could convince some parking lot especially in the Bay Area where every car is a Tesla now uh, to, to just say, you know, you, you can probably, because of that thing, you could probably fit, you know, eight Teslas in the seven parking spaces. Yeah. And they could just take out seven parking spaces and say, Teslas only, eight Teslas here, draw narrower lines. And this would be something Tesla owners would say, oh, look at me. I am better because my car can park in this. And yeah. people, people love, let's, let's face it, that most of the value in a car that people buy is getting that nameplate so they can say, look at me. I'm the kind of person who has that car. 
I think the yeah. Cybertruck is going to be pretty wide, though. I don't <laughs> it is. <laughs> it can, it, in theory, can just drive on top of the other cars if they leave too small a space. So no, no parking issues for you in Cybertruck. Uh, yeah. Alan, we've talked about Voyage uh, quite a few times, and uh, the CEO, Oliver Cameron, is saying, while his operations are halted for now, like everybody yeah. else, uh, he envisions the pandemic will lead to more demand for autonomous vehicles. In the newsletter, I think you point out uh, there's not much else he can say. Yeah, well, I mean, you know, I mean, he's supporting his company and he should. And and and, and I think uh, putting a, as, as bright of a picture on there, I I tend to sort of be a little bit on his side. I, I think that, again, this is given the, the this is giving the coders a breather in which they can go really fix up their code. And as opposed to putting a, a patch here, a patch there, and a patch there. And I hope that that's the way they're using it. And since the coders are, I don't imagine any coder is now, oh, geez, they're making me work from home. Oh, my goodness. I mean, my parents' basement is always where I wanted to be. Never mind. Maybe that's not the right view of coders. Don't look at me like that. But, you know, um, all that stuff should still be moving without the necessity, as I mentioned earlier, to be out there physically doing this because the simulators are not so much better. And and so uh, I think they're still progressing ahead. What has to progress ahead where the, where the real hang-up still exists is in the software, okay? It's the software. It's, it's, it has to handle more of the corner cases. It has to be more reliable. It has to, it has to operate better, uh, more like the rest of us, if you want to put it in, 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 in that term, so that it, it can integrate into, the, into a, a system of a bun- where a bunch of humans are operating. Because at least in the beginning, <laughs> there are none of them and all of us. And and they can't be sticking out like sore thumbs. Otherwise, uh, I don't know what we'll do if if they don't cooperate with us. And uh, but if they do and they work well and they don't crash and they make people comfortable and it's re- relatively inexpensive, then uh, I think there's a market. You teach I don't them, think it's going to be teach good them to go or through bad. the yellow lights, et cetera. Is that <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, if you're, if you're in some places, but yeah, it's not going to be good or bad, right? It's just, it's, it's, it's good. I mean, it's going to be bad for people who are looking for money, but yeah. other than that, it's just going to be like for everyone else in the world of pause. Uh, and uh, it's not going to really boost anything. Um, no. Yeah. Fred, as you mentioned, go through the yellow lights, maybe. Okay. I mean, look, the, 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 the rules of the road and, and the traffic laws were written for humans and and for humans to then operate in that assuming that there's you know there's a little bit of leeway in there why because humans test the edge of the cage they take things a little bit farther you know speed limits are supposed to be set at 85 percent of the level uh, the speed distribution of the normal speeds that would happen without a limit you know why because it's a realization that in fact there's going to be 15 percent of the folks that are going to you know, take five or nine or 14 or whatever. I mean, it's, it's fundamental human behavior. And so somehow we have to put the rules on the software to reflect behavior that is, that is human. Okay. And that doesn't mean, Hey, you got to hold to the speed limit to the, to the uh, penny. Otherwise, so the, the, vehicle, well, the vehicle knows that you're trying to get to a movie theater and the movie starts at a certain time and comes to a yellow light. It'll go through it the way I would. To, so I, I don't know. Happens. I mean, you know, sorry, well, what is this thing, a movie theater that you refer to? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, I, I that's a, that's a business that. which is going to, I, I, I think, know, have a much harder time coming back. Now. Know, a hard time, but this is, uh, this if, is if there's no if there's nobody coming through. And it knows there's nobody coming through. Why is the light making you stop? Just because some traffic engineer decided to time it that way that you should stop? The reason it's making you stop is so that the human brain has the opportunity to see that, in fact, it's safe. Or if it's, they can't see, they're going to let you and we're going to tell you that it's safe. But if the system knows, why should it stop? What's the matter with a rolling stop sign? Okay. 
the, the reason we have stop signs is that we can go out there and look here, look left, and decide to go. The system knows there's nobody there. Well, I've, I've actually made a waste uh, energy. Uh, is that the reason we're making them stop? Go I've ahead. made a much more radical proposal for how the vehicle <laughs> code might look in the future. Uh, the vehicle code is written because humans can't be depended on. Uh, and so you have to you know, give them some rules and constraints to keep sure. them within safety boundaries. So as far as the driving the uh, self-driving system and designing the software for it, uh, everyone is on those teams is focused on making sure their vehicle performs safely and doesn't do anything really bad. Uh, so the vehicle code actually can be reduced to just a couple of rules. One is be safe, which the engineers already know yeah. they're going to follow. Right. And the other rule is don't unfairly get in other people's way. Um, so, which is what most of the vehicle code is just to make sure that we don't get in the way of other people and traffic flows. Uh, and then the third rule is just, you know, there can be some local variations about what you can do on this particular lane or this street. But the first two are the main core. And the difference between the system today and the way it could work in the future with more self-driving vehicles out there is that you can actually get the drivers of all the self-driving vehicles in your town or state in a room. And say, okay, we have a we have a, some issue that's happening. We need to change how vehicles behave. And you get the thirty of them, and there's not going to be more than that. There's probably going to be ten of them. You get them in a room and say, how should we solve this? And they'll say, okay, we can do this. This is great. Okay, we do it. Great. And they go home, and then all yeah. the vehicles now perform by the new rule. You don't have to say no left turn here because every so often it's going to, someone's going to try and turn left when someone's coming, or you can't judge the distance. It's just something that you solve in a more ad hoc way. Uh, when robots make a mistake, the one amazing thing about robots is when a human makes a mistake, uh, we learn about statistics on human mistakes. That's what actuaries do. When robots make a mistake, we learn how to stop all the other robots from ever making that mistake again. If we uh, share the data, and we need to share the data, but go ahead. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, even if we share the external particulars of it, which when there's an accident, we certainly do. I mean, I don't even yeah. think, I mean, it's good if we share internal learnings. Yeah. So one of the companies I'm involved with, deep and together with the World Economic Forum, uh, we're now building what we call a safety pool, which is a system where people can contribute scenarios and training data on unusual situations that they've encountered. And the reason people will do this is that because at first you might think, oh, well, all these things I've gone out and driven, they're very, they're my crown jewels. I've spent a lot of money to get them. If we get, you know, 10 companies into the safety pool, and we've already got about, I can't remember what the number is, but we've already got quite a few. Um, then what happens is I put in one thing and I get back nine. And so yeah. it's, it's a win, even though I'm giving up something really valuable to me, I'm getting back nine things other people thought were valuable. Everybody wins everybody's safer and the field progresses but safety safety is a joint exercise not a competitive exercise and the 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 better we join and cooperate on that everybody gets better we compete on that we cut each other's throats now we'll compete on it a little bit but we we you want to have a a, the base level shared among people and this is why what i was going to say is doesn't doesn't this only work if we take humans completely out of the equation as long nope. as there are human drivers on the road don't the oh cars... the, the vehicle code part the vehicle right. code part no so the the vehicle code part the humans still have to follow the human vehicle code and the robots understand the humans are following the human vehicle code but there's no reason to tell a robot if your engineers have determined that you can go 100 miles an hour safely on this stretch of road uh, and you don't interfere with the other human beings on that stretch of road there's no reason to put that that 100 mile limit is there because we cannot trust humans to perform uh, you know, at that speed on that road. If we have something that's been well tested and certified to perform well on that road, and this is the hard part, going that fast doesn't disrupt other people on the road, then you can do it. But in terms of, there's a lot of places out there where they'll say like, no left turn here. And the reason it says no left turn is we can't trust people to make a good judgment. You know, 99.9% of the time, they'll make a good judgment on the left turn. It's safe to make a left turn. One time in a thousand, somebody will make a bad left turn. There's an accident. We've got to make a sign saying no left turn. But a robot is not going to make that mistake, or at least we can test the robot and find out, yo, this robot always makes the left turn only when it's safe. So why should we stop them from making the left turn? It's just holding up traffic. Absolutely. I agree. I, I agree. It's, it's much easier. Uh, and, um, and that's, that's the, uh, another opportunity to dealing with code as opposed to dealing with people. People are tough. <laughs> people i mean that that's why i yeah, i look at uber and lyft and i say oh my goodness you have to herd all these cats and you have to get them to go out there and provide service you know and you don't even you're they're not even your employees whereas algorithmically boom you send the sucker out it goes you know <laughs> well I, I mean the self-driving problem is still super hard and and perhaps the hardest engineering problem of this type ever attempted 
So uh, I don't want to denigrate it in any way. And that's why it has taken even Waymo, which is the leader, uh, 10 years to get to the point where they're just doing some very basic service and other companies still have some time before they do that. It's, it's a super hard problem, but once you do get to the safety levels that you're looking for, uh, then those old styles of thinking don't necessarily apply. Well, moving on, I think, to some of the other things in the newsletter, Alan. Uh, Speng Motors, X-P-E-N-G, I think I'm saying it right. The yeah. P7 smart electric vehicle is set to arrive in China this month, powered by the NVIDIA Drive AGX platform. It features the Xavier system on a chip, 12 ultrasonic sensors, five high-precision radars, reading from their stuff, you know, and thir- yeah. 13 autonomous... We should get paid for this, <laughs> what? <laughs> 13 autonomous drive. Cameras. Sorry, I should have put their car in my. Uh, yeah, in, 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 in yeah my you know, I you know, I put it out there because I guess so. Uh, wanted to just show that Nvidia is apparently making some sales of its um, of its processors, and somebody's using it, and I don't know how many they, these are going to sell. Uh, and 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 in some sense, um, you know, it's sort of interesting that it, that it, they claim it to be level three ready. I mean, I don't even know what level three is. Level three ready, uh, Brad? Do you have any idea? I mean, I, uh, that that sounds like a marketing <laughs> term to me. Oh my goodness! Boom, you know. But whatever. But but at least, uh, hey, um, one of the things is is that the software you can update it over the air. Updating hardware. <laughs> is really tough. I mean, you got to bring the damn thing in, get a screwdriver, you know, whatever. I mean, it's really tough. So it's nice to have cars, have the sensors and the, and the controllers and the processors on them that in fact can then eat new software and the software that comes on will allow those to evolve, which has, I think, also been partially what uh, what Tesla has been all about is to create an environment in which, you know, the things that are really tough to upgrade, you know, come out of the factory, the best that you can possibly put in there, anticipating then that the, that the software will catch up at some particular well, point. I, I actually think that uh, you do have to upgrade the hardware in these vehicles uh, and you will be upgrading the processors and those NVIDIA chips, NVIDIA's whole business is making sure they have a GPU that's twice as good every couple of years. They're, they're the last <laughs> guardians of Moore's law. Basically, uh, the fact that people want more realistic spattered blood in their games is what's been driving Moore's law for the last <laughs> several years. <laughs> and uh, bless them. Uh, for killing all those virtual uh, monsters, but yeah. uh, but Nvidia does keep that up, and uh, you know the new GPU I just bought is just way better than my old GPU yeah. in the way that the CPU wasn't. I mean, CPU was better, but not at the same level. So uh, you, I, I'm sure they'll design this car if they're smart, so that it, they can do a pretty easy field upgrade of the processors in there, because you know the car is now a computer, and yeah. nobody <laughs> wants nobody wants a six year old computer. So uh, you're going to you're going to be wanting to field upgrade those things, whether you're going to field upgrade sensors. That's a little bit harder today. They're uh, well, ultrasonic aren't expensive and and cameras are not expensive. Lasers are currently expensive, but that's going to change in time. Uh, So you're going to even if the car is burning out. And by the way, I said that New York cab burns out in five years and maybe you can make one that takes 10 years to burn out. Maybe you don't want it to take 10 years to burn out because 10 year old hardware may may not excite people very much. And so you may, uh, you may want to be absolutely sure you can field upgrade the things that are going to go obsolete. Alan, our, our friend uh, Michael Senna has a new edition of The Dispatcher out with uh, some great insights about the coronavirus and the lessons being learned from the global shutdown. Uh, absolutely. And I think he has great reflections in there. I leave it, um, leave it for everybody to read uh, because he, he is such a good writer. Um, and uh, it will, in, 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 in at least some parts, uh, provoke you. Uh, again, it's, it's, a, it's another look at this thing. And, uh, and I thank Michael for, for doing such a great job in, in, in writing such a good piece. And also in the, in the latest newsletter, you offer some congratulations to a former student of yours, a Jamie yeah. Ionone, I think it's pronounced. Yeah, Ionone, Jamie. I mean, you know, he, he's, uh, he's just it? named uh, uh, CEO of, of eBay. And uh, look, I mean, uh, he, I, I think he was, uh, he was Pine 
Prize winner at Princeton. Uh, when you when you met Jamie, you knew you, there, there was somebody really special there, and it's uh, it's so nice that he's uh, he's uh, evolved uh, that well. Look, uh, I think it's a great op. He he'll be great at eBay. This is an opportunity for eBay. I don't know if in fact eBay had sort of flattened out and so on, but. Uh, but not only is it an opportunity for the on the consumer side, I think it's an opportunity on on the employment side because it it, it provides at least a mechanism for let's say um, uh, the gig entrepreneur, let's call them or something like that, a really small business person uh, to make available products and so on and, and get to the marketplace. And, and, uh, and so, um, you know, I'm, I'm sure he'll, he'll, uh, he'll do a great job there. And we're going to remind people once again, uh, Alan, that the uh, fourth annual Princeton smart driving car summit is not going to be taking place next month. No surprise there with all that's going on. Now scheduled for October. Yeah, so we're looking to move it to October, and who knows what's going to happen with that. Uh, we're also continuing to think of doing, you know, Zoom-like versions of it or something like that. And we're putting together, uh, Brad's part of it, uh, on um, on uh, April 27th, I believe. We're going to try to do a, a live session of one of these things that basically is is like the, the, the shark tank that we uh, do every year at the um, automated uh, vehicle uh, symposium uh, that uh, that uh, is is uh, uh, sponsored by uh, the transportation research board and uh, which is scheduled to be in San Diego still uh, in July but uh, who knows whether or not that's going to go up so we're going to sort of try to do a little bit of a preview of our uh, of our shark tank in a session on Zoom uh, with Dick Mudge and Brad and others. Um, and we'll be putting out information on that and allowing uh, and trying to have some uh, live participation by by people that um, that uh, register for it. Uh, so um, uh, as opposed to it being just like uh, what we, we're calling these things, um, uh, Zoominars, this will be a Zoominar in which, in which uh, we're not only will we be going back and forth as Brad and I have been going uh, here today, but also have others as well as try to uh, make it so that the, the audience uh, has has an opportunity to interact. Yeah, just uh, just yesterday, uh, a group of people I work with, we completed a uh, online conference three days long. We had a few thousand people actually pay uh, uh, somewhere between two hundred and three hundred dollars to come. Uh, so uh, that it, it is possible. I mean, it's not the kind of money we would get when we would do these things in person. Um, and, but on the other hand, we got to have all kinds of speakers you would never get at certain things. You know, right. you had like presidents of, uh, of Mexico and Argentina and president of the United Nations. And wow. you know, those are the people speaking with us. And so you can now you can call up people and say, yeah, I ain't doing anything. So uh, what the hell they'll appear in, yeah. they'll appear in a conference. Um, so that uh, I think it mostly worked. I mean, there were technical hiccups as you would expect in the beginning of any of this. Here's the bad news though, for conferences, which is that even though I think that we can reopen a lot of local economy with the combination of, massive amounts of testing and contact tracing applications that are privacy protecting and a couple other technologies, we can do it. Um, We're going to be much more reluctant to have events which draw people from all around the world or all around the country to come together in one place. That's just a natural bad thing waiting to happen. You just need the virus to be doing secret spreading in any one of the towns that people came from and suddenly you've created a spreading nexus for it. And so uh, I'm a, I'm feared that the conference business may be in, and unfortunately that's where I make a lot of my money, uh, may be in bad shape for the rest of this year. Yeah, yeah I, you can I, do it from your house. Look at that. Yeah, yeah <laughs> well, well, that's the, why the, I the, built this. Uh, you know, I built this thing here right? so that it could look. Uh, I mean, I can show you the. Uh, uh, the uh, the real world here it's much more boring uh, <laughs> <laughs> don't put the don't put the fire but to, to your point I, I, Brad, I, I, I pay no attention to the curtain behind the man uh, yeah, yeah it's a green screen <laughs> uh, but but Brad uh, to, to your point I, I think it's very important one uh, the expense side is is of course enormously re- reduced because you're not feeding people and so on and so forth uh, but but I think the the opportunity to, to get interaction and, and to meet and then bringing people from all over the world I look back at the 2020 uh, consumer electronics show. 
in yeah, Vegas. I, I was there probably she, probably with viruses, yeah. Well, Alan, you weren't in 2020. You were in 2019. We did. I was in 19. In 2020, I was in a hospital, okay? So, you know, and, and whatever. But, but my goodness, you mean the virus wasn't there? Of course it was. It didn't spread? It's, of course it spread. People didn't take it back home to them and spread it? Oh, there's been a lot of anecdotal stuff about there's it. There's been, that's January. Right. Okay. Yeah. Okay, 200,000 people there, you know, who knows how many from Wuhan, who knows? There's been a Close lot of online chatter about that, Alan, about people there. who came home sick. and, and you know, really I don't know, you know, it, it would really be nice if they would get the tests up so they could test all of us. Yeah, uh, I, just, I think we should test everybody every couple of days. It is doable. There is a technique called the group testing, which allows you when you have a low density of a virus, you test 128 people and you either get back a positive or negative on all of them together. And then guess what? If you get a positive, then you do a binary search. Uh, and so you can actually do testing as low cost as you want if, they, uh, if there's not too many people who have it. Right. And, and in a sense, I think we can do that. But the discussions, at least I saw this morning, you know, the thought we want to get up to, you know, do testing of a half a million you know, there are 330 million people in the United States. Yep. And I think we can do a proper statistical. Uh, yeah. uh, if, you can, if you can test 128 at a time, you can test all 300 million. You can test all 300 million. Absolutely. I, I, but we ha- I think I think if, if we put money anywhere, that's where we should put money until until we each wear a Star David, as I like to say, which now the Star David is going to be, hey, you're good with respect to uh, the virus. You don't have it. Uh, uh, then we'll no, no, you, the, you, the one you need is the one that says you've had it, not the one that says you don't have it. Uh, yeah, no, not, well, that, not, the not no, absolutely. Yeah, not, you don't put it on the people that, that, that haven't had it. You put it on the people that are safe and you allow them uh, to go out there. But until, until we have that kind of, of, uh, of, of system in which, uh, we can tell who that the people that were around are not uh, going to bring at least uh, this pandemic to us. Um, we got a lot of problems. But, but this is a rat hole. You know, yesterday at uh, this other event we did, we got uh, someone put together a, quite a good mobility panel, and he had the head of Sidewalk Labs, and we had uh, the LA, run person, who, woman who runs LA Department of Transportation, yeah, she's largest tra- transit union, uh, yeah. all these uh, all these people with uh, tremendous mobility experience and then they decided to spend their half hour talking about coronaviruses rather than talking about mobility well, so uh, that's, uh, let's, that's let's not fall down let's fall not fall down that one yeah yeah let's not go down that right oh brad it's been great um you really brad, put the zoom in zoom for us with that background <laughs> absolutely yeah. well uh, we'll have a different background every time <laughs> thanks for all your insight brad really terrific appreciate you joining us thank right. you brad see you soon Okay, take care. That'll wrap up this edition. Thanks to our sponsor, the Smart ETFs, Smart Transportation and Technology ETF. The ticker symbol for the ETF is MOTO. And more information is available at MOTOETF.com. You can find us at SmartDrivingCar.com, also on Anchor FM, Spotify, TuneIn, Apple, Google, Spreaker, SoundCloud, wherever you get your podcasts. You can ask your smart speaker to play us too. Alan does it all the time. You can find my tech reports at textonation.com. I'm Fred Fishkin along with Alan Kornhauser. Thank you for listening and please stay safe and healthy.